Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. into this. I'm excited for today. I'm excited for this new year. We are in a brand new year, uh, not as we celebrate with our uh, American or Western calendar, but in the Jewish calendar. We're in a brand new year. I'm going to give you some revelation on that in the weeks to come. Uh, But we're in the middle of the Jewish new year right now, uh, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Later this week is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. If there's ever a time to live a good life, It's the last week of September, first week of October, because the belief is that the Messiah will return during, uh, at the new year, between uh, the the, uh, new year and the Day of Atonement. So live right, okay, at least past Wednesday. Um, Just playing, right? Father, thank you for this day. We love you, God. We give you praise. We glorify you. You are so good to us. You're so good to us. You're so faithful to us. Father, release your word to us. Speak to us today. God, none of us are here to receive clever ideas from a human. We're here to listen to your voice. God, would you speak to us today and awaken our souls, invigorate us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Most of you uh, or many of you over the last few weeks uh, maybe have heard that I'm in the middle of a season of intensified prayer. I have taken a challenge, put it upon myself after hearing uh, another pastor speak about what happened in his life when he dedicated himself to 100 hours of prayer, specifically for the vision of the church that he was leading at the time. And so I heard his message the first time. The first time I heard it, it, it kind of convicted me, and I'm like, man, I'm not that good of a pastor. Uh, the second time I heard his testimony, because like, I mean, look, I pray and all, but you know, 100 hours, just to, to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pray for 100 hours, uh, that's, a, that's a commitment, right? And I don't wanna be a quitter. You know, I don't wanna say, hey, I'm doing this and then be a quitter, that's not my style, right? Um, but the second time I heard it, it convicted me, and, and I had a number of things going on in my life that I really wanted to see shift and change and I wanted to know God at a deeper level I wanted to experience him at a deeper level and so I made that commitment to do that and I'm currently at 35 hours thank you my friend for checking on me this week to see where I'm at uh, in the last three weeks and the Lord is speaking to me and revealing things to me and I want to encourage you as you pray if you pray for me pray that God shows me the future of this church in a very, very clear way. I'm not here just to mess around. I wanna make a massive difference for the kingdom of God. I want this church to be responsible for thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that come into faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want a country club church that's about cushy relationships and doesn't actually do anything to move the needle for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want to make a difference. And I believe God has commanded us and has selected us to make a difference in this earth. Not just be here taking up space and breathing up oxygen, but actually actually do something significant in the earth with our lives. Each of us are only given a handful of years. We don't know how many. Some people just get a couple. Some people get a hundred. We don't know how many we have. The Bible says only God knows how many days 
each of us have. And every single one of your days is numbered. We don't know. But we know that he will return. We know that we will live with him in eternity if we've given our life to Jesus. But it's possible, and it should be the norm, that we have people in our church on a Sunday morning that were invited by someone, but they have not yet come to put their faith in Jesus. They have not yet come to be a follower of Jesus. We need to be a church that is attracting and inviting people that need the message of Jesus Christ and need to come in to a revelation and a reality of who Jesus is in their lives. And the only way that happens is if we take our place and we accept the mission that God has for us individually. And we choose to shine. So far in my 35 hours of of dedicated prayer toward the vision of this church, the number one word God keeps saying to me over and over and over again is shine. Shine. Uh, as we go into this series, I'll explain more and, and why that means something to me. I, um, I, I, I'm really kind of in a season of personal discovery. I'm, I'm evaluating my own personality. I'm doing some different studies and in tests and different things like that to understand myself more. Uh, I just feel like it's important. I wanna make sure that I fulfill what God has called me to do. I don't wanna make excuses. I don't wanna stand before God and make excuses for why I didn't accomplish what he put me on this earth to accomplish. I wanna be fully aware of the things in my life that I need to fix and work on and get better at. I don't wanna be good enough. I don't wanna be good enough. The Bible says we'll stand before God. We'll give an account for how we lived our lives. And if we did it right, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful service, servant. Come and enjoy the master's happiness. I want to get a well done. I know you do too. Shine. I don't know what that word means to you. Uh, I often have tried throughout my years uh, to navigate through my house. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and you need to get a drink or go to the restroom or something and you assumed you knew your house well enough that you didn't need to turn a light on? You ever done that? Uh, and, and you're like, no, this is, and you don't want to turn a light on because then your brain wakes up more and all that kind of stuff. And so you just kind of go for it, right? And you're walking through the house and, um, and then you step on a Lego or you catch just your pinky toe. Have you ever caught just your pinky toe? Only the pinky toe walking at a full pace. Uh, there was this one time I was walking through our house. We, we had a house in Carrollton and, and I was walking through and the, the, the living room fed into a kitchen. The kitchen had two archways that you could go through and it was the middle of the night and I just needed some water or something and, and I'm like half asleep and I'm walking through and, and I'm, it's pitch black and, and I'm walking through and I'm certain that I'm aimed at the archway as I'm walking into the kitchen toward the refrigerator. And right beside the archway, my wife and her decorating style at the time had these two little candelabra things that stuck out about maybe six inches. A candle would sit on top. And so in my stupor, I'm walking through and thinking I'm about to stride through the archway, I walk right into a candelabra that hits me on the bridge of my nose. And I did not pray in tongues at that moment. I said other things that came out, you know, and the Lord forgave me afterwards. But I needed, I needed a light. I needed a light. Oftentimes, 
in life, we need illumination. We need illumination into our personalities. We need illumination into things that we're going through in life, things that are happening inside of our family, things that are maybe going on in work and in the different environments or relationships or situations. We need illumination. And the Bible says that God's word is light. God's word is light. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. A lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word is a light. Now, the understanding of the word light is different for us now than it was for David about 3,000 years ago when he wrote that verse of a song. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Light meant something different back then. I want to show you a couple of illustrations or images of how light has changed and evolved throughout the years. See, in David's time, in fact, up until a couple hundred years ago, light was seen, or if you were going to light a house, you would do it with candles, with fire. And the only light that you would have inside of your house at night was, was a candlelight, because that's all they had. Now, you could make a bigger fire at risk of your uh, own property, maybe use uh, small torches or things of that nature, but this was the only light that they had. And when Jesus would talk about light, they didn't have light the way we have light. In fact, it was about 190 years ago that the very first light bulbs began to be created. It was years after Benjamin Franklin supposedly flew the kite with the key or something on it. Can you imagine that? Flying something, hoping to get struck by lightning. Talk about bananas. Uh, but all of a sudden, about 190 years ago, the first invent of what would be called a light bulb was created. But it wasn't a light bulb in the manner that we think of today. It was a light bulb that literally in the very beginning, the fuse would only last for a, a few seconds. The filament inside, they had to do lots of experimentation. It wasn't until about 150 years ago that Thomas Edison actually began to use different types of filament. He moved to using a cotton strand of filament that would make the light bulb work for about 12 hours, 14 hours, all of that work. It was too expensive to have any real use yet, but he kept experimenting and he moved to a new type of, of material. He began to use bamboo strands inside as the filament. And when he created that invention, all of a sudden the light bulb was able to last for a for about 1,200 hours instead of about 12 hours. And then it continued. The evolution of light continued, and they began to make the lights more and more powerful, and they would have different types of spotlights that they have created. And it's just gone further and further, and it's evolved, and then there were fluorescence, and now we have things called LED lights. And I have, this is what I use when I walk my dog in the dark. Isn't this sexy? Little headlamp, this my wife loves it when I wear my headlamp, right? But there's this light, I have the ability now for a thousand lumens that can light my path. It's blinding, isn't it? But light has evolved over the years. And listen, our understanding of God's word shifts and changes and evolves. It's not that God's word changes, his word never changes. But the revelation there's what's called in the study of scripture, 
progressive revelation. See, people a few hundred years ago used to think that it was hard to be saved. In churches, they would pray and pray. They would travail. They would, they would beg for God and they believed in their heart, their revelation was limited and they thought it was hard to be saved. But then the Baptists happened. The Baptists were an amazing thing that happened to the body of Christ because they're probably the number one best evangelist helping people understand the Romans road, how all you have to do is confess your sins and put your faith that if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's Lord, that you'll be saved, that every single person is in need of a savior and all you have to do is put your faith in him. You don't have to earn it. It was a progressive revelation that we had. God's word is a light. Then about a hundred and something years ago, a revelation of the Holy Spirit began to permeate throughout the world. Interestingly, at the same time that Thomas Edison is evolving a light into a light bulb that can be used, Thomas Edison was the very first one that commercialized the light bulb, the very first one that created in uh, downtown Manhattan an electricity station where they would run wires throughout the building and they began to light the city and that he created the light meter so that they could not just uh, produce and spread the light, but they could charge you for the light. Thank you, Thomas Edison, for our electric bill today. But interestingly, in the exact same decade, Revivals began. In the same time, the same decade that an evolution of light was happening in the earth, the Welsh revivals began. The revivals began in, in, in Europe and then they leapt across the pond. And in the early 1900s, the Azusa Street revivals hit America and the revelation of the Holy Spirit began to spread around the world. And now the fastest growing churches, the fastest growing movement of anything that happens in the spiritual realm are spirit-filled churches that believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of Jesus to save instantly, the power of Jesus to heal the power of Jesus to resurrect, the power of Jesus to do miracles all over China, India, places in the Middle East where it's illegal to be a Christian and talk about your faith. The church is spreading like wildfire because no one can argue with the power of God. Can't argue with the power of God. Can't argue... Oral Roberts used to say it like this, a miracle settles the matter. <laughs> there are entire denominations that sit around and argue whether or not miracles still happen, argue whether or not healings still happen, that God would still do that because they believe in a false demonic doctrine called the doctrine of cessation, that they believe that when the apostles died, all works of the Holy Spirit ended. It's a horrible demonic doctrine. That's why the Apostle Paul talked about be careful about, about hearing and giving uh, audience and entertaining doctrines of demons. He talked about it in Scripture. Who do you think would want you believe that God's power is not accessible to you nowadays? Jesus? You think Jesus, who died on the cross and said, if you believe in me, you'll do even greater works than me? You think it's Jesus that wants you to believe that you know have access to the power that he died for you to have? It's a doctrine of demons. 
all over the world, miracles happening, all over the continent of Africa, most powerful, incredibly exploding churches, going head to head, competing with real witch doctors who do real witchcraft, and the church of Jesus Christ outshines them and is more powerful than the darkness. But in America, we are witnessing with our own eyes a spiritual regression. The morality of our nation becoming darker and darker, more and more evil, more and more wicked. I remember being a kid in the 80s watching TV and there were, there were like no cuss words on TV. Certainly no nudity. You had to pay for special channels. Now it's everywhere, it's free. As long as you have your $12 or $14 a month subscription to whatever, you can see and hear all the filthiest stuff ever right there just streaming into your, not just into a house on one TV, into every device possible, our world morally darker and darker and darker. The, the fact that we have in our own city clubs inside of the schools to affirm kids that think they're an animal? Now that's, that's called being three. That's called being four, five. And they're, they're not just acute, oh, I think I'm an animal. It's all sexual. And it's, it's affirmed. There's never been a time when the church of Jesus Christ in America needs to shine more than right now. We gotta shine. It's not an option. Guys, if we don't shine, we will watch our country become like Europe and be a post-Christian nation. We're on the brink right now. We're on the brink right now. Stadiums packed full of people cheering for a team. Church is empty. I grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up in the buckle of the Bible belt. No homework on Wednesday nights because Wednesday night was for church. No sport, no sports on Sunday. You crazy? That's for church. Nothing's holy anymore. Nothing's sacred. We're losing our nation if the church doesn't shine. If we don't stand up. I appreciate last week Pastor Ron uh, with his very bold message about, uh, about our duty as part of the government of Jesus Christ. Jesus, upon his shoulders, the government rests. God is government. It's not about being political. It's about recognizing the authority and the influence that we are supposed to have as people of God. We're supposed to be influencers. God's word is light. In John chapter one, it says that the word was with God in the beginning. The word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John one verse four says, in him, the word that is Jesus was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, interestingly enough, our world is a much more peaceful world than the world Jesus was born into. Our world is a much 
a healthier world. Morally, it's, it's, it's becoming, our nation is becoming very dark. There are other nations around the world that used to be nations that worshiped false gods, but now they have come on the scene and they're now Christian nations. South Korea used to be a Buddhist nation. It's now a Christian nation. Fiji used to be an island of cannibals. I met the first missionary to Fiji that didn't get eaten. Met him. He and his brother. Now there's a million Christians in Fiji. It's become a Christian nation. You drink its water. When he got there, the water was cursed. They said, if your God is real, make our water pure. The missionaries prayed for the water and the water became pure and now you buy it for four bucks a bottle. I met that guy. And we're sitting around complaining instead of shining our light. What would happen if all of us shined? What would happen if all of us realized that that super powerful light, a blinding light, lives inside of us? The light shines in the darkness. See, it was interesting to, to, to see what happened. We turned the lights off and the room went dark. And then we gradually brought in different levels of light, different levels of light, different levels of light. And, and, and the more the light evolved, the more the dark was dispersed. You don't have, oh, this is so big. You don't have to worry about darkness if you're willing to shine your light. Because light dispels darkness. Darkness cannot overcome light. If light is willing to shine and will persist, darkness will flee from it. But we as, of the, as the church have, have huddled in our little corners instead of stepped out and shined our light. And the Lord is challenging me, commanding me to shine. Jesus shines. He always shines. John 3, most of us know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting light. But we don't know John 3, 19 that says this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes in to the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done and has been done in the sight of God. Church, it's time for us to fully come into the light. If we're all honest I, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a whole bunch of you that are way holier than I am. But I can't raise my hand and say, I don't ever, ever, ever mess up and I don't have any sin and I have nothing to repent of. <laughs> in fact, if I go more than a day or two without repenting for something, I'm like, wow, what the heck, man? I must be in full-blown revival at this point. I mess up all the time. I get angry, say things I shouldn't, 
pop off at something, somebody. I, I, I have issues. I'm a human. I need Jesus. I'm a work in progress. But I'm willing to progress. I'm willing to progress. I'm willing to say, Father, what do I need to change? What do you want me to cut? What deeds need to get out of my life? Where am I allowing darkness? Because darkness in your life only has access if it has permission. Darkness only has access where it has permission. In, in, in the, the book of Genesis, there's a story of Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because Abel's worship was pure and God accepted his worship. And, and God didn't accept Cain's worship because Cain's worship wasn't pure. Cain's intentions of his heart weren't pure. And God gave Cain a warning. He said, sin is crouching at the door and you must master it. Cain didn't master it. He allowed the anger, the jealousy, the rage to win in his life and he killed his brother and he was cursed for all existence. His brother died, but his brother lives in eternity. And the Bible declares that the blood of Abel, Abel's blood still testifies in the earth. I want you to understand that we are all designed to shine. God designed us to shine. Uh, we're we're going to dig in in this series on how Jesus shined. What was it about him? The first and foremost difference and distinction of Jesus was his message. The message of his life was different. The message of his lifestyle was different. He wasn't wrapped up in religious rules he was fully engulfed in a relationship that he had with his heavenly father. An open and honest dialogue that he had with heavenly father. And he introduced to us, Jesus was the first time, the message of Jesus was the first time in human existence to be offered at large a relationship with God that any and all of us could have access directly into the throne room. Jesus' message was different. That when they heard Jesus teach, they said, he doesn't talk like the other scribes. He speaks as one who actually has authority. The other scribes would say, hey, as Rabbi so-and-so says, hey, as Rabbi so-and-so says, and they would just repeat each other back and forth. Jesus spoke as if he actually had authority. Because he was the word of God made flesh. He was God in the flesh. But he's given himself to us as an opportunity for us to be human vessels, fully human, but fully spirit-filled. You can be fully filled with God's spirit. And the message of your life can shine. Jesus' message was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The very first message of Jesus, the very first words that came out of Jesus as he began to teach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. What does that mean? 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means that the authority, kingdom means the realm of authority of the king. The realm of the king's dominion. The, the realm of God's dominion is at hand. It's within your grasp. It's within reach. And if you'll repent, if you'll change the way you think, change your perception, change how you see your opportunity, you can lay hold of the authority, the dominion of God in the earth. He's called you, God has called you to be carriers of his authority in the earth. Jesus is the king of kings. He's a king and a high priest, the king of kings and the high priest over all other priests. And you and I are made in this image. We are called to be both king and priest in how we operate in the earth. We have authority directly from our king that we walk in. And we have a spiritual connection that allows us to operate as a priest inside of the world around us. He's calling us to shine. You were designed to shine. Interesting. I, I love the nights, and we live out in the country, and I love the nights where there's a full moon. Because out there, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience when there's a full moon. We, ha we have the opportunity uh, to see differently when there is not all the light pollution of being inside the city. But we all know that the moon doesn't actually have any light. The moon has no light of its own. What we see when we see the moon glowing and releasing light is we actually see the reflection of the sun on the moon. The sun shining on the face of the moon, reflecting onto the earth. And it's similar for us. The difference is that the light of the world has come and lived to live inside of you. So there's a light that can shine out, but it's not actually your light, it's his light.